Danish Dynamite, the Superliga podcast, brought to you by footballindenmark.com. Welcome to Danish Dynamite. Now, I said last week the show would be coming to you on a monthly basis, which is true, but I did also say that there would be ad hoc specials along the way when something or someone suitably interesting comes along, and today is one of those days. Before I introduce my guest, I have to say week one of the Superliga season didn't disappoint. We had an FC Norgeland masterclass with an Ernest Nuama hat-trick. We had two promoted teams giving FC Michelin and AGF, I think, much tougher games than people had expected. We had a last gasp Rana's equaliser in Odense that was quite close to being a Patrick Karlgren goal, which would have been a collector's item. We had a debut goal for Cho Gui Sung, a player that was talked about loads over the offseason and who, who delivered on his first game. And we even had the rare sighting of a fully fit Andreas Cornelius, albeit it only took a couple of days for him to then be missing from the squad with injury. But nonetheless, great to see him fit again and in a starting eleven. Today's show has a slightly different flavour and with six Danish teams across the men's and women's game playing in various UEFA club competitions. We're going to be talking all things European, from coefficients to prize money, with one of the experts on the subject, Murad Amrawi, who is a sports and data analyst at Hobico and runs the UEFA DK underscore point Twitter account. Murad, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And you're doing this on your holiday, so very much appreciate it. Yeah, well, it has to be in the heart of Europe, so I'm actually in Luxembourg at the moment. Uh, not that I will have the possibility to to watch any European qualifying matches here because, uh, well, they're all playing abroad pretty much. So, <laughs> well, c'est la vie, as they say. <laughs> um, I, I guess to, to start things off, I, I wondered, how did you get into kind of examining the coefficients and understanding how this really quite complicated system of, uh, of point scoring works? To be honest, it actually just started with me being extremely jet lagged and bored on a trip to New Zealand prior to uh, to an extended family event in March 2016. What I wanted to see was what were the, the possibilities for more than one Danish team in the European group stages, um, because uh, during that season, FC Midtjylland had for the first time in their history, had actually managed to qualify to the Europa League group stage, while uh, FC Copenhagen had crashed out to uh, Jablonec in the qualifiers uh, during that same season. So yeah, for for years, almost decades now, we've, in Denmark, we've all been talking about, okay, FC Copenhagen is the... Um, is the locomotive of um, of the European train in, in, in Denmark. And then suddenly they're out of the game. Then suddenly, okay, we need someone else to also fill in the gaps uh, or actually have more than just one team in Europe, actually. So that's, that's basically how it started. And I started getting active on fan forums about, about that topic. And, well, about two years ago, I started this uh, Twitter account that had that specific focus. Um. Yeah, so I've had the possibility to talk about this once at the, um, the Danish uh, Mediano podcast um, in an episode in 2021. And as part of uh, other topics, I've been talking about this also as a, as a regular guest at the Absalons Radio. Uh, it's an FC Copenhagen fan podcast, but they bring me in not only for uh, coefficients and rankings, but also everything related to the, to the world of football, such as injury prevention, rehabilitation, sports psychology, talent development, and of course, also my personal field of expertise, which is penalty kicks. Brilliant. Well, you're a, a man with many talents. Um, <laughs> I, I wondered if for, uh, for, for people like me who sort of 
know that teams do well in Europe, your your coefficient gets better. If you do badly, it goes down. But mm. how does the coefficient work on a more granular basis? Basically, the coefficients are basically the means to assess the value of a European result for any given team based on not only the team's individual merits, but also the merits of of its of their country of origin. So there are actually two types of uh, coefficient that actually matter regarding European club competitions. Uh, one is the country coefficient that determines how many teams each country gets in the three different tournaments, uh, for the men's team anyway, uh, and also when the teams start and to some extent also how easy or how, how, how hard their draw is going to be in the qualifying rounds and the group stage. And then we have the club coefficients that determine the level of difficulty of the draws for the individual teams, both in the qualifying rounds and in the group stage. So the coefficients, uh, the country coefficients, they are calculated by taking the average sum of the number of points won by the teams from said country in a certain season. For instance, last season, Denmark, the, the Danish teams in total gathered, uh, was it 39.5 points? And there were five teams in Europe, so you have to divide that by uh, by five. And then you get the sum of, um, of the points that were gathered during that season. No, not last season, but the prior season in 21-22, sorry. Got it. And the amount of points you get varies per competition, is that right? Uh, yes and no. It's more the, ma- the amount of bonus points that you that you get. Um, in the qualifying rounds, you get, well, the uh, country coefficient is one point for a win, half a point for a draw. And in the group stage, it's two points for a win, one point for a draw. And then, of course, you have the bonus points. You get four bonus points if you qualify for the for the Champions League group stage and five additional more bonus points if you advance from the group stage to the round of 16 and so forth. There are more bonus points to be gathered. In Europa League, you don't get uh, bonus points per se before uh, you advance to the knockout stages of the tournament. And it's the same with the Conference League, but you have to reach like the quarter or semifinals before uh, bonus points start to appear on your account. Got it. So the advent of the Conference League, I presume, then has been beneficial for uh, sort of, quote, smaller nations like Denmark, because it, there's, it's easier to pick up coefficient points. Yes. Uh, if we take the example of uh, the 21-22 season, Denmark had uh, four teams in, in the group stages across competitions. There were two in the Europa League. You had Bonbu and FC Midtjylland. And you had two teams in uh, the conference league. You had FC Copenhagen and Ranas. Uh, and Ranas were able to ma- were able to manage to get a lot of points during their uh, their spell in uh, in the group stage. Uh, played a lot of draws and then one win and then one defeat as well. Okay. Uh, while FC Copenhagen almost made a, a clean sweep, except that one match were against. Pauk from Greece, where Grabar got the red card after nine minutes, and then they lost two one at home in Parken. So it feels like it feels like it's almost beneficial for uh, for Danish teams to underperform in the qualifications so that they make it into the Conference League. You might say that, but then again, there are also a lot of points to be gained in the qualifying rounds as well. So and and if you play the if you play the Champions League qualifiers, then you can you can ask if a team is strong enough to actually qualify for the Champions League. Then maybe they're also strong enough to get some points uh, in the in the Champions League as well. 
how has the Danish coefficient as a whole changed over the time that you've been looking at it? I think you said 2016. Uh, is the is the league kind of in ascendancy, descendancy? I noticed that this season, for example, there's only one Champions League qualification space. Last season, there were two. Um, mm. I'm guessing that's not a good sign. It's mainly, well, you, you can't say, oh, is it a good sign? Is it not a good sign? The question is um, how, because the the ranking of a, of a country is based on the performances from the past five years, and they can go. Uh, and recent, quite recently, uh, Denmark still had a very good uh, spell from the 16-17 uh, season, where FC Copenhagen managed to get to the uh, to the round of 16 in the um, in the Europa League after playing very well in the in the Champions League group stage as well against Leicester, against Bruges, against Porto. Uh, and at the same time, in that same season, you saw that the remaining teams, uh, remaining Danish teams, also managed to reach the the playoff round in the uh, in the Europa League. So it was a very good spell for for Danish football for that season. Then suddenly that gets left out of the uh, that season, slides out, and then okay, then of course you're going to see a, there's a dive from from then on. And so going into next season, uh, the results that are about to drop off the, the previous five years, does that, does that make things harder or easier? I can't, I can't quite work it out. Um, neither or, because there's going to be a change of, uh, of the format of the, um, of, the, of the European competition starting from next season, uh, which actually means that the Danish Cup winner uh, will be in the Europa League qualifiers because it's like the top... 30, as far as I remember, top 30 countries, all their cup winners will be, uh, will have a chance to be in the Europa League well, somehow. Got it. Okay, cool. So coefficient, if I understand correctly, then is just the sum total of all the points you get for individual results. So uh, for the countries, yes. For the countries, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah. Country cool. coefficients, that's the way. It's not, not just the sum, it's the average. Uh, because for instance, for this season, all the points that Danish teams will gather, you have to divide it by four because four Danish teams. If you were to compare that with uh, English teams, you would have to divide it by eight because eight uh, English teams in, in, in Europe. Got it. So a result like, for example, when AGF went out in the first qualifying round to LAN from Northern Ireland, that's particularly detrimental because it means they earn zero points and count towards the average. Yeah, they, well, they did manage to get a draw in the return match, so it was like 0. 0.5 points. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's not let's not bury them more than we have to. <laughs> and. And so if that's how coefficients work, how does prize money work? Is that linked to the coefficient or is that something completely separate? And how does it vary between the, the different UEFA competitions? Um, yes and no. <laughs> um, well, there are different types of prize money. Uh, if you look at uh, the various competitions, you see that um, just for participating in the tournament, the, the prize money are very, very different. If we take the lowest, if we take the conference league, you get... 2.9 million euros just for for qualifying for the tournament and you get uh, 500,000 euros for for a win and 166,000 uh, euros for a draw uh, and then if you go to the Europa League it's 3.6 millions just for participating uh, 630,000 uh, for winning a match and uh, 210,000 for for a draw and of course, there are also additional prize money if uh, you finish in the top two, if you win your group, and then et cetera. So you continue, but 
that's a very I don't want to put too many numbers if, uh, if I can <laughs> avoid it. But yeah. then if you look at the at the Champions League, suddenly you see just for qualifying, you get 15.6 million euros just for qualifying and 2.8 million euros for a, for a win and 900,000 euros for a draw. Yeah, so I, I mean, the, the those kind of figures are astronomical for Danish teams. You can see that for you know for FC Copenhagen, for example, making it into the Champions League group stage and then getting three draws last season and then dropping into the the Europa. I mean, that must have been a bumper season in terms of uh, European income. Yeah, yeah, the the income was around what is twenty six million euros that uh, FC Copenhagen got. I mean, even though they finished fourth and didn't play any. Uh, knockout stage matches afterward, after the group stage, but they, they still managed to get um, what corresponds to 200 million kroner pretty much. So Amazing. Um, so, but, but just, just to answer your question uh, in regards to whether the coefficients also matter in regards to um, how many prize money the, each team gets, yes, it does matter as well because there, are, uh, there is something called a coefficient bonus. Um, each team in the in the tournaments get uh, a certain amount of shares of extra prize money according to their ranking regarding the past ten years. So if you're the lowest the lowest ranked team, you get one share. If you're the second lowest ranked team, you get two shares, and so forth. Up till if you're the best seeded team, then you get thirty two shares. So that's also a lot of money that you get um, through that. FC Copenhagen got. 8 million euros last uh, last season from from that got it so so you, you don't fully know the picture of the prize money then until the the very end of the season is that right until n- no basically because there there are some that are linked to performance and some that are linked to the coefficient but again the coefficient is calculated uh, the coefficient bonus calculated from the results uh, until that season so the previous 5 previous 10 years so for instance for now it would uh, for fc copenhagen if they were to qualify to any group stage then they we would look at the past 10 years and see the results where are they ranked and then we look at at um, that's how much money they get in, uh, in a qualifying bonus uh, coefficient bonus sorry got it and who does denmark need to leapfrog in order to get two champions league places again well, it's, it's it's quite a few. It's uh, actually quite the um, quite the battle uh, at the moment. Um, uh, if, if we look at the the teams that are from top ten to top twenty, uh, uh, perhaps I should say from top eleven to top twenty. That's like the main competition. Uh, number eleven is Switzerland. Number twelve is Serbia. Thirteen Turkey. Uh, Fourteen Ukraine. Fifteen Norway. Denmark is ranked 16, Israel uh, 17, uh, 18, Czech Republic, 19, Greece, and Sweden is in 20th place. Wow. Maybe we should even say Croatia because they also have a powerhouse locomotive and as with uh, Dinamo Zagreb. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that Switzerland are so high in that, but I guess I guess Basel do tend to do quite well. But beyond that... Yeah, they had a, they had a really, really good spell uh, last season. Uh, actually, for the past two seasons... Uh, with with the conference league, Basel has been hammering in. I don't know how many points uh, in in those two seasons. Then you have also a team like Young Boys and FC Zurich also gathering a lot of points as well. So um, 
Wow. One question I had for you is that, you know, over the, the years that I've been watching Danish football, the Europa League's been such a such a sort of big part of, uh, of European competitions because it tended to be where the Danish teams ended up. This is the first season we're going into where there's no direct placements into the Europa League. And I, I know that if FC Copenhagen don't make it through the Champions League, chances are they'll go to the Europa League. But why is there no place in the in the Europa League or Europa League qualifying for second place or the cup winner? Short answer, Conference League, basically. Uh, the Conference League was uh, was created because UEFA wanted a competition that was more exclusive for the teams from the biggest leagues that didn't manage to qualify to the Champions League because it was in nobody's... Well, if you look at the, the top executives, um, it wasn't in their interest that a team like Liverpool would suddenly have to play against, uh, I don't know, number two from... Kazakhstan or Moldova in a group stage. There wouldn't be a lot of people that would watch that. Um, so they wanted to make the Europa League more exclusive for not the very, very best teams, but the second best teams. So right now the Europa League is for like the fourth, fifth, sixth place teams from the top seven leagues, the cup winners from the top 15 leagues or national champions that that failed to qualify to the Champions League group stage. Got it. So if Denmark was to move from 16 to 15, the cup winners would get a place in the Europa League rather than the conference? In the previous seasons and including this season, yes. But okay. now the format is changing from, from next season onwards. So yeah, the cup winner is going to get a spot in the in the Europa League qualifiers. Got it. Wow. Okay. Lots to, lots to digest there. Um, I, I wonder... <laughs> it takes time. It takes time. You just need to adjust. And sometimes it's easier to show on... Uh, on video or on a picture, but that's not really possible in the podcast format. So yeah, that's also why I try to try it as much as possible to try not to have too many numbers when I actually discuss this topic. If you have any charts or uh, or, or graphics or whatever, I'm happy to happy to post them below the uh, the podcast for anyone who, who wants to see. What we I think um, th- there's another Danish guy called uh, Maskana Pilsen. Uh, He's been on the show. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, he likes to actually play with uh, with, with those um, uh, charts and stuff like that. So I would actually recommend uh, for for people to actually look at that as well, um, because he actually is very good at putting that on as a visual. But also, I would also uh, recommend, even though he's not he's not Danish, but um, there's also this uh, Twitter account called Swiss Football Data, um, and he this Swiss guy also does a lot of that as well. So. Actually, there's quite a community also on, on Twitter with people from different countries that basically do the same thing that I, that I do. Brilliant. We're going to talk about the current state of play for the Danish teams, but a part of that as well is the, uh, the women's teams. We've got two Danish women's teams in, in Europe, and I wondered how does the, the coefficient and the prize money uh, and, and the competition structure vary in the women's game? Well, um, there's only one competition uh, at the moment for... Uh, uh, one European women's competition, unfortunately. Uh, I really hope that in the long run that UEFA will see the, the value in promoting the women's game. Um, and right now, the, the Champions League for the Women's Champions League uh, consists of uh, 16 teams, four groups of four teams. Um, and Denmark has two teams in the, in the qualifiers, uh, uh, Hopi Kuhr, uh, my team, um, 
who are uh, Danish champions, who will participate in the champions path, and then uh, Brøndby, who will participate in the league path. So uh, uh, Kø will face Coops in the first qualifying match, and should we win, we will face the winner between Spartak Subotica from uh, Serbia and Klaksvik from Faroe Islands. Um, so, sounds like you've got quite a good chance then. Hopefully, uh, fingers crossed. Uh, we've had quite a quite a turnover this uh, this season. A lot of players who uh, who has uh, changed clubs and got a lot of new players in. So it's kind of a, like a new team. We also changed the the head coach. So we'll we'll see how we do. We of course we we hope that uh, we'll manage to get through, but um, it's tough. We faced uh, Juventus last year in the in the playoff match. So. Uh, yeah, competition can be quite stiff, especially when there's only 16 spots available. Absolutely. And who are the traditional European powerhouses of, of Danish women's football? Usually it's uh, it has been teams like uh, Bonbu and Fortuna Jürgen who have played very well. But of course, it's been under different, uh, under different format. It's been more cup format uh, previously. It's only very recently that the Women's Champions League became uh, a, a group stage tournament as well. And of course, we don't have... To, we mustn't forget that Bonbury will also f- uh, play in the in the league pass for the qualifiers for for Champions League. They will face Celtic in their first match, and should they win, they will face the winner of uh, Volarenga from Norway and FC Minsk from Belarus as as their next opponent. Okay, well, good luck to to both Bonbury and Hobiko in, in in those matches. Looking at the the men's situation, FC Copenhagen played last night in the Champions League uh, qualifier against uh, a team from Iceland that I'm not going to try and pronounce. But uh, well, I will. Breidablik. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. This, this is why it's good to have a, a Danish speaker on here. I'm r- right in saying that should they progress through this tie, there's two more qualifying rounds before they reach the group stage. Yes, that is correct. And also, should they advance against uh, against Breidablik, then they FC Copenhagen will be sure to play some kind of group stage this season okay um, so if they advance they will play uh, the third qualifying round and they will face uh, Sparta Prague as the, uh, as their opponent which is the most horrendous draw they they could face at all uh, it's the strongest possible opponent according to ELO rankings which ranks the the strength of each each team they have four Danish players in the squad that actually know FC Copenhagen. And they have four coaching staff members that that are from Denmark and who also know FC Copenhagen. So uh, it just couldn't be worse. And FC Copenhagen will start at home and uh, finish in Prague. So it's just, you couldn't ask for a worse draw for FC Copenhagen in that regard. So. And you, you said they've got four Danish players who, who will know FC Co. They've also just signed James Gomez. So it's a fifth player who, who knows yeah. uh, FC Co. intimately. It's going to be tough for FC Co. They, it's not, uh, it's not going to be a, an easy ride if they want to, to qualify. So if they go out against Sparta Prague, they'll be into the Europa playoff qualifier, which is the final one before the group stage. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Okay. And we don't know who they can they can face because the draw for for the playoff rounds hasn't been made yet. Should Breidablik actually win by three goals or more in Parken next week, then FC Copenhagen will face the loser between uh, Mostar from Bosnia and Slovan Bratislava in the Europa League third qualifying round. I don't want to get the hopes up of those of those two teams, but I don't think they'll be coming to Parken. 
for that game. No, but I mean, there are some people who like to do the ground hopping, who travel to all different destinations. So for them, maybe uh, a trip to Bosnia or Slovakia sounds more interesting than a play than going to to the Czech Republic, even though the beer is quite cheap there. <laughs> Absolutely. There's three more Danish teams uh, in European competitions this year. Obviously, AGF, FC Norgeland and FC Mitchelland. How are all of those positioned for, for reaching a group stage? Well, FC Mitchelland is uh, seeded to actually reach the group stage in, uh, in the Conference League and then be in seeding part two uh, in that regard. So they are playing against a team from Luxembourg. Um, uh, Progrès Niederkorn, so they're playing the first match tomorrow in Herning and then the return match next week. And in case that they defeat uh, Progrès Niederkorn, they will play the winner uh, from Omonia Nicosia from Cyprus or Gabala from Azerbaijan. Of course, they're favorites there as well, but of course you have to take in, okay, it's a long trip to Azerbaijan or it's very hot in Cyprus and the fans are crazy there, so... Is something you also have to take into account. Got it. And then after those two fixtures, there would still be the the playoff round. So there's uh, yes, and then there will still there will still be seeded there. So yeah, the opponent can be well. We don't know yet. So there's a decent chance for them. Um, yes, AGF are uh, joining at the same time, but they've got a, a much trickier draw, don't they? Yes, they're playing against uh, Bruges, which is uh, the highest seeded team in Q1, Q2 and third qualifying round in, of the conference league. So they couldn't do any worse uh, in that regard on, on paper anyway. But if they manage to defeat the Belgians, then they will face either Akureyri from Iceland or Dundalk from, from Ireland in the third qualifying round. And that's because they will take over the seeding of Bruges in the third qualifying round. Ah, okay. So harder game first, easier game second. Yes, and also the you know the um, they've already played a league game, whereas I think the Belgian league doesn't come back till this coming weekend. So they're slightly ahead in their preparation. Maybe that will help. Yeah, perhaps. Plus, also the first match is played in in Belgium, so they have the return the return match in in Aarhus. And well, who knows uh, if they get a good result away, then. Um, it's not impossible, but of course it's going to be difficult, uh, and you shouldn't underestimate any opponent. And then FC Norgeland start a round ahead by virtue of finishing second last season. Just to clarify, sorry, it's, it's nitpicking, but just to clarify, it's because FC Copenhagen won the double that uh, FC Norgeland will start in the in the third qualifying round. And if uh, FC Copenhagen hadn't won the double, then it would have been the cup winner that would have started in the third qualifying round. Oh, really? Yes, See, I, this is where the intricacies come in that I have no idea about. It's, it's incre- incredibly nerdish, and you're like, oh, you're 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 nitpicking at all these little details, but you know, they in the long run they make a difference. Yeah, it's helpful to know. Yeah, um, it's, so the, they don't know their opponent yet. It's, it, it could be one of two teams, is that right? Yes, CSKA Sofia from Bulgaria and FCSB, the former Stoa Bucharest of Romania. Got it. Uh, and they start away and then finish at home. And if you look at the ELO rating, uh, which again just assesses how strong the, the different teams are, then FC Norseland are actually small favorites to, to advance. Yeah, that's positive. It is. And, uh, but I, but I, we don't know what the situation is going to be because 
Norseland had to say goodbye to quite a few players, uh, key players uh, after the previous season. Players like Mes Bistrop, uh, Jakob Rasmussen, Mark Hondes, um, and who knows, uh, PSG might uh, buy Nuama. So yeah, we don't know what the situation is going to be when the first match is, is played. That is true, but you know the way they played on Monday, I'd fancy them against uh, against anyone really at the moment. So I, that's going to be exciting, and I'm going to be in Farum for that game. So really? the uh, the third qualifying round, yeah, cool, yeah, cool. The, yeah. The, Sounds like fun. Yeah, the draw was kind to me. The, the they got picked out. I was watching the draw, really hoping that they'd get picked out for the pot second, so they were at home second leg. <laughs> and I was, uh, yeah, I was punching the air when when I saw that happen because otherwise I would have uh, I would have been there with no game to go to. Mm. So yeah, excited to see how they get on, and I hope that if everything goes to plan, that we'll get th- at least three out of four teams in some form of uh, of European group stage next season. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can get all four of them. Uh... That would be fantastic. Yeah. Also, also because then it would it would actually mean that the teams, um, because this season we only have to divide by four compared to last season where we had to divide by five. So suddenly, if we can get more teams in the in the group stage, then it would mean a lot. Uh, if we just take an example, like um, for quite a few seasons, Scotland was basically at the same level as uh, Denmark or Czech Republic or Croatia or something like that. And then Rangers finally got their together, pardon my French, and now they're in the top 10 because they're continuously hammering in points uh, in Europe, both Celtic and Rangers and uh, whatever third team also from, from Scotland is there. Then if we have a, um, if we have a situation just like that for, for Danish teams with Perhaps FC Copenhagen and FC Midtjylland as the as the main uh, point gatherers, and then and the other teams to actually also do an effort as well and actually manage to get some points. Then then Danish football would be in a better state. Fantastic. Well, I can't wait to see it all unfold. And thank you so much for coming on the show and explaining it all. I feel I feel much more informed now, and hopefully uh, hopefully everyone listening has a bit more of a clue as to what's going on. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, sometimes it can be very very difficult also to to explain and also when when you talk to people uh, i mean i try to bring it from a from a neutral perspective but of course you you see fans from from one team who are who don't want that the um, the other teams from 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 denmark that they don't get any benefit from that and then suddenly oh why why should we care about that or why are we uh, why should we bother about winning this or this and this uh, we just want to see them fail rather than almost see our own team win basically but it's it's always a tricky situation it all depends on what's most important for you absolutely and as an arsenal fan i'm well versed in hoping all of my rivals uh fail in europe but when i watch the danish teams of course i want everyone to win so yeah <laughs> yeah well it's kind of like the situation uh, if if tottenham were to win the champions league and it would mean a place in in champions league for arsenal would you root for for Tottenham then, or or not? Absolutely not. <laughs> I'd rather... So that's that's the dilemma with with football because you can look at it from a rational perspective, but then at the end of the day, it's all about emotions. It's all about whether you're connected to who do you like, who do you have sympathies for, and who do you absolutely, really, really, really hate. Absolutely, <laughs> that's what it's all about. Um, Morad, thank you so much for your time. Hope you enjoy the rest of your holiday and and yeah, hopefully come back on the show when uh, when there's um, 
another European dilemma to unpick. It sounds like everything's changing next season, so we might have to get you back for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to need some time to figure it out myself <laughs> because it's uh, it's quite tricky just to figure out what, what is it exactly, what are the systems. And one of the, one of the main things that we're actually going to see from the upcoming season is that once you reach the, the group stage, you're not going to see teams drop down from from Champions League down to Europa League or from Europa League down to, to Conference League. So Interesting. So uh, Sevilla can't do what they've been doing for the past something something years, like uh, win the Europa League, qualify for the Champions League, and then drop down to the Europa League and win it again, and then do that circle all over again. That won't be a possibility anymore. I think that's only a good thing. Good stuff. All right. Thanks, Morad. And good luck to all the, the Danish teams, but especially Hobie Co in the Women's Champions League. Damn right. Damn right. <laughs> Thank you.